0: Let us worship God together by singing to his praise in Psalm 31. Psalm 31 of the Scottish Psalter, that's on page 241 of the Blue Book. We'll sing from the beginning. In thee, O Lord, I put my trust. Shamed let me never be. According to thy righteousness do thou deliver me. Bow down thine ear to me. With speed send me deliverance. To save me, my strong rock be thou, and my house of defense. A psalm about a personal trust the psalmist has who wrote this in God. And though he was feeling weak, he places himself fully in the hands of God there in verse 5, because he is a God who has redeemed him. So we'll stand together and we'll sing from verse Mark 1 down to verse Mark 5 to the tune, Martyrdom.
1: In thee, O Lord, I pray. My trust,
0: Chimley. May we join our hearts together in prayer. Let us bow before God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. And we pray that as we come before you, we may see you in your beauty and that we would see ourselves in our need of you. And that as we look at ourselves, we see that we are full of things that stain us and of sins that stain our garments and our lives. And Lord, when we consider you, we see how holy and pure you are as the creator of the heavens and the earth. And Lord, we feel so inadequate to approach you in prayer. But only can we do so through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and died for us on the cross at Calvary, who gave his life to redeem his people, to redeem those who trust in him. And we pray as we gather here, we may have the heart like the psalmist, that trusts in God in the uncertainties of life and the questions that life throws at us and the shortness of life as we see surrounding us day by day. Life is so brief, but help us as we come before you to trust in you. And we look at the world and we often place our trust in the things of the world. We place our trust in what we have attained in this life and the financial status of our bank balance. We pray that you would open our eyes to see the foolishness of trusting in these things and what good it does us in the end. But if we trust in God, you are the one that will redeem us and you are the one that will save us and you are the one that will go and prepare a place for us because you want and desire that we would dwell with you in the heaven. Lord, we pray that as we consider your word tonight and as we sing your praises, that it would open our eyes and unblock our ears, that we may hear it and see within it the beauty of Christ Jesus and the love of God shining forth. We pray your Spirit to bless us. And it is only by the work of your Spirit that can any fruit be born of our efforts. We pray as we gather that you would be over us and with us and dwelling in us as our loving Heavenly Father who knows how to administer to your every need, whatever our need. For we are a varied people with varied needs. We pray and we are told that we can confess our needs before you and bring them before you. You will help us and guide us and take us through these needs, even if it be the valley of the shadow of death, that you are a God that we can trust in, and that you are the God that takes us through these difficulties. We pray for our congregation. We pray for everyone that is gathered here. We thank you for each person. We thank you for the children that are associated with our congregation. We pray for the youth work that goes on. We remember the holiday club, and we pray that you would bless the preparations of that to the good of the children, and to the parents and grandparents, that they may likewise see and be enlightened by the gospel of Jesus Christ that converts and changes lives. We thank you for the Sunday School of the Teachers. We thank you for the youth clubs, youth fellowships. And we pray that you would bless our efforts. And we thank you for the numbers that are attending and that they would grow up to be salt and light in this world, and that we would be the lights in darkness, and hope in uncertainty, and peace in confusion. Lord, we pray for our world. We pray for our nation. We pray that the gospel would go forth and save people, and renew hearts and change lives. We pray for those who are in charge over us, those who govern us in positions of authority. We pray that you would guide them also, guide them by your wisdom, in positions that are often difficult to know what to do, what to say, what to implement. But we pray that it would not be left to themselves, but that you would be the administrator of wisdom unto their souls and minds. and We just thank you that we are here in this place. Give us hearts that are concerned for hearing the gospel. Give us hearts that are concerned to see Jesus Christ. And give us hearts that are concerned for those who do not know him and do not love him and do not care about him. But it is these very people that Jesus himself went to, the most unlikely of people that would receive the gospel. But if the Spirit goes with us, and the Spirit goes with your word, a word that is powerful, that convicts and converts, that can do miraculous things in the soul of a a sinner, we just pray that you'd be with us in our time together. We remember James, our minister, as he takes a time of, a time of holiday. Refresh him, we pray, that you would strengthen him in these final years of his ministry and pray that he would see encouragements and fruit for all his labours. Pray that you would raise up other men to preach the gospel and the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ that they would be diligent in their work, and that they would be faithful to the cause. Just pray that you would equip them to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that those who hear it would know who Jesus is and come to trust in him as their, their Redeemer. So we ask you that you would be with us in our time as we consider your word we sing your praises. We thank you for Alistair as he leads us here. Forgive us our sins, we pray. All this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll, con- we'll continue in our praise to God by singing in Psalm 84 of the Scottish Psalter. Psalm 84, that's on page 338 of the blue book. We'll sing from the beginning of that psalm down to the, the end of verse 3. And then we'll jump over to the page and sing the last two verses. So we'll sing the first four verses, and then the last two verses, 11 and 12. How lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, to me the tabernacles of thy grace. How pleasant, Lord, they be. And then we'll finish with, O thou that art the Lord of hosts, that man is truly blessed, who by assured confidence on thee alone does rest. The tune for this is Tramps and Hawkers, and we'll stand to sing to God's praise.
1: How lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord of hosts to me! Bye.
0: now to your Bibles and to your reading, and we'll find that in the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. We'll read two passages from the Gospel of Luke. We'll read a short section from chapter 18, verse 18 to 27, and then we'll go to chapter 19 and read from the beginning. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verse 18. Let us hear God's word. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honour your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, looking at him with sadness, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Amen. And we'll turn over to chapter 19. And we'll read from the beginning of that chapter down to verse 10. The account of Jesus and Zacchaeus. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it for full. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen. May the reading of God's word be blessed to us. We'll continue in our praise again by singing in Psalm 49 of the sing Psalms version. That's on page 64 of the Blue Book. Psalm 49, we sing from the beginning, down to verse Mark 10. Listen to me, all you peoples, all who in the whole earth dwell. Low and high, both rich and needy, Hear the message I will tell I will speak with understanding, wisdom from the heart I'll preach, I will listen to a proverb, secrets with the heart I'll teach. Why should I fear days of evil when the wicked hem me in, those who boast of their possessions, but their trust but their, but by their trust in wealth they sin. There is no one who is able to redeem a soul from death. None can pay to God the ransom to prolong another's breath. To redeem a life is costly. None sufficient price can pay so that one should live immortal, free forever from decay. For we all can see life ending. Wise and foolish, all will die. They must leave their wealth to others. None can death's demand defy. <coughs> <coughs> we'll stand together and we'll sing these verses to the tune Stuttgart, to God's praise.
1: <coughs> Listen to me, all you peoples, all. Who... Should I feel dead.
0: I'd like us now to turn back and consider the two passages that we've read together. Mainly, we'll have a focus on the passage of Jesus and Zacchaeus, but we'll also tie in what we read about the rich young ruler, or the rich ruler. Now, as you know, all of us are different. People are different in many different ways. But we are guilty, I suppose, of making assumptions about different classes of people, and we can maybe categorise and separate people into these different classes. Maybe we're expecting the same behaviour from that certain type of person. And there is that phrase that we all probably know, that we tar people with the same brush because of these assumptions that we make on these types of people. In our head. But as I'm sure we've all learned, it's poor judgment for us to do this sort of thing. And tonight we read about two men who probably were in the same sort of class. They're two rich men and they have both come to see Jesus. One is just, one described as a ruler. And the other we have the name of as Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector but though they are both rich men maybe in the same class we can see that by the accounts we have here recorded for us they are very different actions that contradict each other and we have before us two totally different men with two totally different hearts. So before we consider case, I re- briefly just want to look at the ruler, the rich ruler, who he was. Well, it is likely that this rich ruler would have been someone well thought of, someone that the people would have liked. Maybe it was someone that the people had chosen to rule them. And in all understanding from the passage that we have, that he was morally upright in keeping God's commandments. So already on appearances, he seems like he is the best of men. But really, when Jesus speaks to him, we can see that all he loved was his money, his wealth, and actually himself. We read about him going away sad because Jesus told him to give all that wealth away to the poor. He didn't want to part with it. His heart held to it. And Jesus spoke directly to his heart. But on a wider scale, Jesus probably witnessed how so many people become so easily engrossed and obsessed with accumulating and collecting more money for themselves. And it's a temptation that we are all challenged by. And those who have this wealth, Jesus says about them that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's a difficulty for this type of person. And really, what we see in this man is a selfish approach to Jesus. All he's doing is seeking approval for how well he has lived. I've kept all these commandments. And he's seeking some sort of validation that he is worthy to enter the kingdom of God. His seeking is self-centered. He's seeking his own selfish approval. But Jesus addresses that selfishness and that self-centered love and says to him, give your wealth away. The things that you love, let them go. And really what he's saying to him is, put yourself last, and put others before you. But what about Zacchaeus in contrast? Well, we know he was a taxman, and not many people like the taxman, especially when he's the chief taxman, as he was. But also, he was a chief taxman that would have been on commission, That's how we understand this chief taxman in his day to have been. So the more he could tax you, the people, the people that were around him, the more money he would make for himself. So he was obviously good at it. But he obviously had that greed and selfishness within his own heart and that love for money and accumulation of it that we saw in the rich ruler. But being so good at this job, and the type of job that he was in, he wouldn't have been favored by men. He would have been despised by men, because he was there to take their money away from their hearts. And so was a rich man. He was a man that actually found salvation. Zacchaeus was converted, and maybe we'd see that, well, he wasn't the best of men. He was a greedy man. He was probably the most unlikely candidate to be converted. But as you know yourselves, there are many living examples in this building of unlikely candidates that have been converted by the grace of God when they met with Jesus. Our lives were turned upside down and our heart's desire was turned on its head. Jesus here is displaying to the people that you know what? The camel can go through the eye of the needle, but you can't do it. It is the work of God And what we see in Zacchaeus is that work of God. A man being saved from sin. But these things that are impossible with men are possible with God. I wonder, are there any unlikely candidates here tonight? The last person you would expect to be converted And to follow Jesus. And it may not even be that you are seeking Jesus. Regardless of why you are here. Salvation is God's work. It is not ours. It is the Son of Man that came to seek and to save the lost. And in light of this background, I hope that we can look at this amazing encounter we have with Jesus and Zacchaeus. Firstly, we see in Zacchaeus a desire, then we see a delight in receiving Jesus, and then we see a devotion that he has to this new heart that is put within him. So a desire, a delight, and a devotion in Zacchaeus as we look at this passage in chapter 19. And you look at there and you see, well, yes, Zacchaeus had a desire to come to Jesus, There's an interest there to see this man. What it was, we're not entirely sure. It's not clear to us why he had this interest. We can notice that Jesus has obviously caused a stir when he entered Jericho there, and the crowds were round him. We can't pinpoint any reason of why he was interested, other than maybe, well, he might have just been curious to see what was going on. Maybe he had heard about this man Jesus and the miracles he had done, the people he had healed. He heard he was coming to town and thought, well, maybe I'll go along and see him, just out of curiosity, to see if what people are saying about him is true. But why ever or whatever? Gave him the interest to be there. He knew he had an opportunity to see Jesus that day. And he was not going to let that opportunity pass him by. And with that in mind, as he comes to see this man, there's an obstacle facing him straight away. We see that he's, he's too wee to see Jesus past the crowds, he's too short to set his eyes on this man, Jesus. But does it deter him? No. Does he give up? I can't see him. I'm not going to get to see him. He doesn't give up. He's so curious to see this man and see if all that he has heard is true about him. He probably thought to himself, right, how can I see him? What must I do to see him? And where can I see him? He's thoughtful in this desire that is in his heart to see Jesus. There's an importance to this desire for some reason unknown to us. And we read there in verse 4 that he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. That's what he had to do to see Jesus. And when I was looking this, studying this passage Apparently, in that day, that it was, it was not culturally respectable for a man to climb a tree, or for a grown adult to be seen climbing a tree. It would be considered something childish, something a kid's place, something the children would do. Now, if you think about Zacchaeus as a chief tax collector, everyone would have known him. Everyone would have recognized him. And maybe they're laughing at him because he's climbing this tree and they're thinking, what's wrong with Zacchaeus? What's he doing pretending to be a child? But it didn't matter. It didn't matter what anyone thought. He wanted to see Jesus. And there's something in that. Maybe you have a curiosity about jesus maybe you've seen people making a stir about that man jesus and you think what is it maybe you know people that f- follow jesus just as the people did in jericho they were making a stir they were following jesus and maybe you're looking at it and going you're looking at people in their lives and going what are what are they seeking What are they following? Because I ain't seen it. But maybe there's something in you that recognizes that you wish you could see what that person sees. You've seen how maybe the person you know that believes in Christ lives their life. And you think, maybe there is something to it. I can't see it, but I wish I knew what they understood about this man." Now if you ever show a conscious interest in Jesus and you seek him, you can be sure that the devil will be right in front of you. And he will try and hinder any interest you have to see Jesus. It will test your heart just like Zacchaeus came out of curiosity with the right heart to see who Jesus was, maybe he didn't know what to expect. He just had a heart to see Jesus, but he couldn't. And it was a test to him to see how much he wanted to really understand who Jesus was. How much do we want to see Jesus tonight? Whether we're here or whether we're watching online, whether we're seeing things from a distance as it were, as Zacchaeus was. Maybe you don't want to be seen coming to church. Maybe you think people will laugh at you because you're coming to church. Maybe you think you're kind of simple. You're like a child coming to church and looking for this man, Jesus. But Jesus also spoke in chapter 18 about those who come to receive the kingdom of God. Those who shall enter eternity must receive it like a child. Isn't it funny that Jesus had just been teaching that you must receive the gospel as a child? And then we have this account with the rich ruler. And then we meet Zacchaeus, who is like a child, up a tree, seeking Jesus. What he did was he placed himself, regardless of what anyone else thought, where he would see him. Intentional that he came to seek Jesus. And a place where Jesus would pass by. And it is in the reading and preaching of the word of God where Jesus passes us by. Where Jesus is seen for us today. Jesus is on the pages of scripture. And this is where we can find him with our hearts desire is to see him. But as Zacchaeus came to see Jesus and did see him, it delighted his heart. So we looked at the desire he had. Now let us look at the delight he had. And where do we really see that delight coming through? Well, it's actually when Jesus speaks to him there in verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. There was a new joy in his heart. And when Jesus spoke to him, it wasn't a general comment. It wasn't any mockery for climbing the tree and being childish. It wasn't a condemnation his taxes or his tax abuses. I don't think you would believe that he would have had condemning eyes as he looked upon him. He spoke to him, Jesus spoke to him in love, but he spoke to him directly. He spoke to him personally. There was no presuppositions about who he was Jesus spoke to him, and that's where the joy really filled his heart. And that's where the joy fills our heart too. When Jesus speaks to us. You see Zacchaeus, he had a desire to see Jesus. But so also did Jesus have a desire to see Zacchaeus. And not only did Zacchaeus' delight To dwell with Jesus. Delight to go with this man. He was joyful. So did Jesus. Jesus said, I must stay at your house today. He didn't ask. He said, I must come. There's almost like this mutual desire between the two. And delight between them both to have seen each other and to meet each other and to spend time together with each other. Which is what the Christian experiences in his life. A desire and joy to come to God's Word and to live their life reflecting Christ and being with Christ. But as Christians, as we consider that, section there. As Christians and believers, it speaks to us that we are people as Jesus was to Zacchaeus, that we consider everyone and speak to everyone. Zacchaeus, the most despised of men, Jesus went and spoke to him that we burn our assumptions that we have about people or the classifications that we make in our minds or judgments that we have. But we're welcoming and friendly to people even who are despised and rejected by others. And even when we speak to one another, that our approach isn't condemning. We don't have condemning eyes or feelings of judgment towards each other but they are friendship and welcome, especially when they come to see Jesus. And it is exactly where our joy is found. When we seek Jesus, we hear him calling to us and calling our name, that he is personal, direct, and effectual as he speaks to us. As we said, there's some mutual union formed between them. But it's formed in love. And you'll notice that this is not all of Zacchaeus. Because Zacchaeus didn't even invite Jesus to sit, stay. Jesus told him, I must come to your house. And thankfully, conversion has little to do with our efforts. Because Jesus said, I must come. Jesus stated, I'm coming, essentially. Because you know what? In the Christian life, there'll be a day where you doubt your salvation. There'll be a day when you doubt that you were ever converted. But when you think back upon your experiences, and when Christ spoke to you first, you'll realize that it was very little to do with me, actually. Yes, I had a desire to come and see Christ. But the fact that he remains with me and sustains me and watches me and guides me is that Christ delighted to come into my heart and to come with me. I didn't even have to ask him to come. He has come and delighted to be in my heart. Jesus said, I must come to your house without waiting for an invitation. And it's a comfort in our doubts that Jesus desires to be with us. But it's a difficult concept to grasp. That the Son of God delights to be with us. And when he speaks to us, when we hear that voice coming and speaking to our hearts, we want more of it. We want to hear more of it. We want to be taught more of it. We wish we could learn more about this man, Jesus. And we wish we could hear what went on between Jesus and Zacchaeus. We wish we could hear What conversation they had together between each other. Was Zacchaeus questioning him and asking him about his life and the miracles he did? Was he learning more about him? We don't know. It was a personal conversation. As Christ's voice is to each of us, personal but joyous to hear. The question is, have we welcomed him into our home have we welcomed him into our hearts has he filled our homes and our hearts with joy jesus is walking by jesus has been revealed to us through his word and through his scripture and jesus is seeking you there is an opportunity here to see jesus And that you may find the joy of your life and the purpose of your life to glorify and enjoy Him forever. It is Christ who says, must. He must come and dwell in your hearts. He realizes himself how much you need him. And he was the one that went to the cross to die for you, to give you an opportunity to enter the kingdom of God, to have eternal life. And that display of love was there so that you may see him, that you may see the love he had for you in redeeming you And saving you. That he would give us a joy incomparable. But we note that there was those who did not delight in Jesus. In verse 7. There was those who grumbled. They complained that he went to be with a sinner. And those who grumbled, who were they but sinners? Were they any better off than Zacchaeus really? Probably not. Although they thought they were. But who were they? Who were the ones that grumbled? Well, it's likely that it's the ones that were following Jesus, the ones that claimed to follow Jesus. And in fact, they were the ones that actually obscured Zacchaeus's sight from seeing Jesus. And that's a lesson for the church, that we in our following of Jesus. Resist, in a way, by sharing who Jesus is and presenting Jesus to the world and allowing people to see Jesus. That we do not hide or obscure Christ from the world. That we let Jesus be revealed so that others may come and see Jesus. We come to Zacchaeus' wonderful confession in verse 8. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He stood up before the Lord with his changed heart, totally transformed with a new devotion. We've seen his delight, and we'll briefly consider this new devotion that was worked in his heart. C.S. Lewis says that if conversion makes no improvements on a man's outward actions, then I think his conversion was largely imaginary. Luther would kind of go with him on that and say that three types of conversion are necessary. For the Christian life the conversion of the heart the conversion of the mind and the conversion of the purse of course there is more to that but I think he was getting at the issue of our hearts we saw the rich ruler was not ready to give his money away to the poor but Zacchaeus after meeting Jesus he was it's not what we would have expected It's not what anyone would have expected, that Zacchaeus would be transformed into this man that gave his money away. The rich ruler, he was saddened when he heard the words of Christ. Whereas Zacchaeus seems to give the impression of this man that was cheerful to give all that he had in his possession. This is what conversion does. It affects our hearts, our minds, it makes everything that we are just like Zacchaeus's bank balance cheerful to give of ourselves whether it is ourselves whether it is our time whether it is our money whether it is our skills that we give ourselves everything that we are for the glory of God it completely transforms us transforms us that we devote ourselves to this new way of life and devote ourselves to others rather than the selfish desires that we had in our hearts. But Zacchaeus, as he saw the needs of others, he also saw really who he was. He realized, I've been defrauding people. And he was convicted of the behavior of his life And he realized he needed to restore these damaged relationships, and which he did by restoring the money that he took fourfold. And the conversion of his heart was confirmed by the conversion of his purse, as it were. The conversion, that his heart had new desires and didn't desire this accumulation of money anymore. His treasure was with Christ. His treasure was in heaven. And that's what Jesus says. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Zacchaeus had a new heart. Zacchaeus was born again. Zacchaeus was unashamed to stand and say to everyone that I will restore your money. He was unashamed to seek Jesus and to go up that tree he didn't care what anyone thought. He wanted to see Jesus. He didn't care if the people were grumbling. He delighted to have Jesus. And whoever is here in the word, in Mark, Mark's gospel, he was unashamed. But Jesus says, Whoever is ashamed of me and my word in this sinful and adulterous generation, of whom the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes. If we are ashamed of Christ, Christ will be ashamed of us when he comes in judgment. But Christ wasn't ashamed of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was unashamed, and Christ was unashamed to say that he has found salvation. He confirmed the change of his heart, there in verse nine, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. A son of Abraham back to the promises made by God that he was adopted into this people of God and would receive an inheritance and a land of peace flowing with milk and honey, which of course resemblance. Of heaven. Zacchaeus went out to seek Jesus. And that's the story that many of us think it is. Zacchaeus is seeking Jesus, but what's really happening is that Jesus is seeking Zacchaeus. Jesus, it says in verse 10, the Son of Man, he came to seek and to save the lost. I don't know what you came to see tonight. Whether it was your desire to come or not, I hope we have seen Jesus, because maybe he is seeking you. It's a wondrous thought that we can be directed by God's powerful preserving of us and governing all of us and our actions for his eternal purposes. That God seeks us out and saves us. And it is all the providence of God that we are here tonight. He is seeking his people. And he is still seeking his people. He is still gathering them. He has not finished. Jesus is seeking out his people. And we are here in that providence of God to hear that Jesus wants to dwell in your heart and that he comes to you with joy. He's not condemning you for who you are or what your life has been. He comes and says to you, I want to dwell in your heart. I want you to enjoy being with me. I want you to know salvation. Tonight's an opportunity to see Jesus. But you know what? We thought about Zacchaeus' desire, delight and devotion. It was Christ's desire to find you. It was Christ's desire to dwell with you. And Christ will be one that will be devoted to you eternally if you trust in him. And his desire and delight and devotion was seen on the cross at Calvary, that he gave his life, that he may redeem people that are lost and give to us salvation, that we may inherit eternal life. And that we may find the joy of our hearts by being with this man, Jesus. He's saying to you tonight, you need me. I must come and dwell in your heart. I must come and dwell in your house. Because he knows that without Jesus Christ, you are not saved. You are lost. I pray that we consider Zacchaeus. I pray that we consider Christ. But I pray that we see Jesus. We have a desire to see him. That we would delight to see him and that our heart would be transformed and devoted to live our lives to his glory. Amen. May these thoughts be blessed to us. We'll conclude our service by singing again in Psalm 105 of the Sing Psalms version. Psalm 105, Sing Psalms. That's on page 138, 138 of the Blue Book. We'll sing from the beginning of that psalm down to verse marked 11, the four verses there. Give thanks to the Lord and call on his name. His wonderful deeds to the nations proclaim. Sing praises to him and his exploits record. Let all those who seek him rejoice in the Lord. You chosen ones look to the Lord and his might. Seek ever his face and his wonders recite. His miracles too and his judgments divine. You children of Abraham, Jacob's own line. The Lord is our God, and he rules on the earth, remembering his covenant, the word he set forth. He vowed for the ages to come to make good, his promises to Abraham and Isaac renewed. To Jacob, his sovereign decree was made sure, with Israel his covenant would always endure. To you I will give as your portion to stand the country of Canaan, the beautiful land. That God is a God of promises. And he made promises to Abraham that he would provide for him a people greater than the star and a place for them to dwell in. The country of Canaan, the beautiful land. And that is that heavenly dwelling place that is provided for us. If we seek out Jesus Christ, and we find our joy in him so we'll stand together and sing these verses to god's praise
1: give thanks to the lord god and call on his name and his might, seek ever his face and his wonders recite,
0: his
1: miracles too and his judgments divine, you children of Abraham, Jacob's own life. He vowed for the ages to come, to make good. His promise to Abraham, to Isaac, renewed. To Jacob, his sovereign decree was made sure. The country of Canaan The beautiful
0: land Concluding a word of prayer Our Father in heaven We pray that you would be one To transform our hearts That we would see the beauty of Jesus Christ Even if it is out of curiosity We pray that we would see you And we pray that we would hear your voice speaking to us as we open up the Bible that is set before us, that we know that we have an opportunity to see Jesus Christ. He is the one that can transform us. He is the one that can save us. Pray that he is one that will go with us, that we find our delight and joy in him, and that we devote ourselves to him and his cause. Be with us in the week ahead, we pray. Go before us in all things. In Jesus' name we ask these. Amen.